Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me, Hall of Famer. Welcome back, everybody. Episode Hoon. seven. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreit is on the phone. It is Monday, August twenty eighth, two thousand twenty three. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody enjoyed the week zero slate of college football. That is right, for the first time since January. College football to react to, and we got a loaded show across the board. We're actually going to start not with the games that happened, but what with what what will happen. I'm tripping over my own words 30 seconds in. We're going to start with my college football playoff picks. I know America has been waiting for them for months. My picks, who do I like? We are going to talk about my final four. I will give you my preseason national champion. From there... We'll take a quick break. We will react to some of the games that happened on the field this weekend. Notre Dame looks awesome. What does that mean? USC's defense, not so much. What does that mean? And then, of course, we'll wrap on a couple other stories. One, Arizona State, they, uh, Bullband, not a fan of that. We'll explain. And then a non-sports story, but it has a little bit of a sports twist. You know, I got to spend five minutes at the end shouting out my guy, Bob Barker, an iconic sports movie cameo in Happy Gilmore, an icon, a guy that we all grew up with. I got to send my uh, my regards to him. It's a lot going on, a lot of football. We got to talk Bob Barker at the end. But listen, we got a busy show. We got a loaded show. We got so much to discuss. So let's not waste any more time. And let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day. As I told you, week zero just happened, and we're going to react to it all. But because it was a little bit of a quieter week, instead, what I want to do is, again, not so much look back on what happened, but look ahead. Week one is coming. Thursday night, we got some really big games. Utah, Florida, Nebraska, Minnesota, NC State at UConn, my Huskies. Um, And so with it, we can't waste more time. We have to give the official AT college football preseason college football playoff picks. I hope everybody knows, and I know you do. I spent a lot of time thinking about this stuff. I've spent way too much time breaking it down. I feel really good about these four teams. Of course, that'll mean nothing once the games start getting played for real, but let's get to it. Let's not waste any more time. Let's talk about my top four. I think I might have a few surprises in there, 
And then I'll explain some of the teams that missed the cut and why at the end. Let's start with the four seed in AT's preseason college football playoff picks. They are for the first time ever making the four team college football playoff in the final ever four team college football playoff. Welcome to the party. The Penn State Nittany Lions. I know you go to Torres. Let me explain. First of all, I, I like James Franklin. I like Penn State, but let me explain why. First off, it's a it's a simple talent acquisition thing, okay? And when you look at Penn State across the board, I think you can argue this is James Franklin's most talented team. As a matter of fact, I'll take it a step further. I, I'm almost positive it's James Franklin's most talented team. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Bruce Feldman puts out that freaks list every single week or every single year where he names the freakiest of all the freaks in college football in terms of height, weight, speed, power, whatever. Penn State this year set a record for the number of guys on the freaks list. And Bruce Feldman has actually said, like, I actually left a few guys off because if I put too many Penn State guys on, people would freak out. So that is indisputable. The number one insider in America says they have as many freaks as anybody in college football. I will tell you, I had a a, a buddy that attended a practice recently, longtime Penn State fan, and he basically said, look, I've been going to practices for 20 years. He said, this is the most talent they have ever had NFL-wise. And you look across the board, that's largely backed up. Freaks, as I said, everywhere. Two elite running backs, Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen, combined to uh, rush for about 2,000 yards last year. Both were true freshmen. Both were back. Wide receiver, they did a great job in the portal. Dante Cephas is probably the name to know. Offensive line, they're one of these teams. Maybe it's because of NIL, whatever. They got back some dudes that could be playing on Sundays right now. Olu Fashinu is a name that if this was four, five, six, ten years ago, probably would have left college. But he's getting NIL, don't know what the setup is there, but I'm sure he's doing just fine. He decides to come back. He is a true All-American top 10 pick at left tackle. Defense, just dudes everywhere. Abdul Carter, he's a day one guy. He's only a sophomore, but when he declares, he will probably be a day one guy. Um, Beyond that, uh, Chop Robinson. Wasn't even technically a starter last year, but former five-star. Began his career at Maryland. Transfers to Penn State. Was a star. The secondary, some believe the best pair of corners in college football. That defense was awesome under Manny Diaz a year ago. And the one quarterback I haven't talked about is quarterback. But we talked about this, I believe, last week. And I'll say this. Drew Aller, five-star kid, was the number one quarterback in his high school class. Ranked higher than Connor Wegman. Ranked higher than uh, 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 Kate Klubnik, who's the starter at Clemson. And so I bring it up because, listen, we won't know until he gets those live reps, but this was a guy with as much potential as anybody and obviously probably would have gotten more reps last year, except that Penn State won 11 games because they had a sixth-year quarterback back in Sean Clifford, who's now playing in the NFL. So I don't blame Penn State for not playing this kid, but it's his time and there is so much talent around him. Finally, from the Penn State perspective, schedule breaks really nicely, okay? Out of conference, if they don't go 3-0, and I think a meteor is going to have to hit earth for them not to go 3-0. and They have West Virginia at home to open. That is this Saturday night under the lights at Penn State. 
West Virginia has no chance. Okay, I, I don't want to make any guarantees. I don't want to blow anything in week one. But I don't even know what would have to happen for West Virginia, who's not very good, to go to Penn State and get a win. Then they play Delaware. Then they open Big Ten play. Later in the year, they play UMass. Good news is, from the West Division, they get Iowa at home. They don't play Wisconsin at all, who I believe is the best team in that side of the division. And then, obviously, it goes without saying. You have Michigan and Penn, uh, Michigan and Ohio State, but here's the deal. You get Michigan at home, which you almost beat Michigan at home two years ago when Michigan won the Big Ten and made the college football playoff. And Ohio State, we mentioned this the other day. Have you seen how the schedule breaks for Penn State before they play Ohio State? They play. They have These are the two weeks before Penn State plays Ohio State. They get a bye week. Then they have UMass at home. Then they get Ohio State. That's basically three weeks to prepare for Ohio State, all while Ohio State actually has a relatively tough road game the week before. They play Penn State. They will go to Purdue, which doesn't sound tough on paper, but remember the last time that Ohio State went to Purdue, Ohio State took that out. So in the end, I believe Penn State will finish 11-1, and one, um, and I believe they are a team, finish the regular season 11-1, and one. And I believe they are a team that is going to make the college football playoff. Congrats, Penn State. First college football playoff appearance of the James Franklin era. And obviously, as we go to a 12-team playoff, it certainly won't be the last. Number three, on ATs, preseason, college football, picks and predictions, college football playoff edition. Very tough decision at the top of the ACC between Clemson and Florida State. I'm not as down on Clemson as everybody else. I do think a lot of it was the coordinator, was DJ Uyangalale, uh, who obviously has transferred to Oregon State. And this year, that should all be fixed. Cade Klubnick is in at quarterback. He was awesome in the conference championship game last year versus North Carolina. Also, it goes without saying, Garrett Riley, Lincoln Riley's younger brother, is now into call plays at Clemson. And so I am not as down on Clemson as everybody else, but I do worry about their schedule. At Duke, at Miami, at NC State, a place that they have lost, Notre Dame at home, North Carolina at home with Drake May, they close with South Carolina, and of course they have Florida State at home. So I'm a little, I worry about Clemson, and that is why Clemson is not number three on my list. The number three team, I did a terrible job setting this up, by the way. Forgive me if you're a Florida State fan listening or watching on YouTube. Forgive me. My number three team in the college football playoff preseason picks are the Florida State Seminoles. First of all, what Mike Norvell has done is awesome. And I love the kind of sort of old school slow build for Mike Norvell. Now, I get that he took over during COVID. So, well, he took over heading into COVID. So he took over in the winter of 2019 into 2020. And so it has been a slow build three and six during that 2020 season, five and seven, the following year. Remember that year they started Oh, and four. So they obviously finished five and three lost the last game of the season to Florida. Otherwise they would have been bowl eligible. And then last year open with that win over LSU, then have a stretch in the middle of the year where they lose three straight. And then they close the season with six straight wins. So they're building momentum. They're getting better every year. And they're another team like Penn State that was able to take advantage of some older guys coming back. Maybe it's NIL, maybe it's not. But they got real talent on that roster. 
Jordan Travis back as a third-year starter at quarterback. This guy is dynamic. Go find highlights of him on Twitter. He is awesome, okay? Uh, this was a guy that a year ago threw for 24 touchdowns, 3,200 yards, and also rushed for 417 yards and seven touchdowns. So a guy that accounted for over 30 touchdowns. Uh, the running game, one of the best running games in all of college football behind one of the best offensive lines in all of college football. Remember, LSU opens against Florida State. That might be the best offensive line they see all year, or at least until they play Alabama later in the year. Several All-ACC guys coming back. You add some guys in the portal. And then on defense, another spot where a lot of key guys are coming back at positions of need, maybe because of NIL, but who cares? Jared Verse would have been a top 15 NFL draft pick last year. Decided he wanted to come back and try to finish his career at Florida State in style. Uh, you have a bunch of other guys across the board, really good transfer additions. Brendan Fisk along the defensive line. Uh, Fentrell Cypress, a former all-ACC cornerback at Virginia. So you go across the board. They got talent everywhere. And I think even though the schedule starts tougher, it's more manageable than Clemson's. I just mentioned Clemson's got to play not only Florida State and Notre Dame at home, they also have to play at NC State, at South Carolina, uh, you know, at uh, 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 Duke to open the year. I like Clemson, but I worry about that schedule. For Florida State, it really comes down to September. They play LSU week one next Sunday against uh, uh, in Orlando. And then the last weekend of September, or September 23rd, it's not even the last weekend, they do go to Clemson. So the one thing I'll say, we'll find out really, really, really quick if this Florida State team is legit and if they're a playoff contender. But if they can even go one and one in that two-game stretch, back half of the schedule is actually very manageable. Five of their final eight are at home. They're only, how about this? They're only three road games after, after October 1st. They're only three road games. At Wake Forest, at Pitt, at Florida. Respect the Gators. Respect Billy Napier. I don't think Florida is very good this year. Wake Forest and Pitt should be wins. If that are the if those are the the road games you have to get through to get to the playoff, I like them. A ton of it will come down to can you take care of LSU in Week One. If you like LSU to win that game, you probably like LSU as a playoff contender. If you like Florida State to win that game, you like Florida State as a playoff contender. You can probably guess where I will lean once I make my pick for this weekend. Let's get to number two. This was another really tough one for me. But my national runner-up and my SEC champ is the Alabama Crimson Tide. And I know what some of you think, Doris, it was such a disaster last year. They lost two games and Bryce Young is gone. And I will readily admit, I am very worried about that quarterback situation. We talked about Nick Saban's comments about the quarterback on Friday's show. When Nick Saban basically says, one of you guys go win the job. Stop waiting for me to give it to you. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about the quarterback situation. But at the same time, they still have this week against Middle Tennessee. And I think that Texas game in week two is going to be symbolic of what we will see from Alabama this year. They want to run the ball. They want to be physical at the line of scrimmage. And whoever wins that quarterback job, they want to take stuff off his plate. They don't want this to be Bryce Young 2.0, Tua Tonga Viola 2.0. No, 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 no. We want less out of the quarterback, more out of the running back, more plays, you know, more yards after catch, more yards after contact, and defense go make plays. 
And so when I look at the change in attitude and I look at the schedule, it's never easy for Bama, but at least it's not last year's schedule. Because I remember last year, and I'll admit, I liked Alabama going into the season. But you looked at that schedule. They had to play at Tennessee, at LSU, at Texas a year ago. This year, all those games are at home. And so you look at Alabama's schedule. Toughest road games. At AM, that's not going to be easy. They lost the last time they went there. At Auburn, maybe by week 13, or week 13, yeah, I guess it would be the 13th week of the season, final game of the regular season, maybe Hugh Freeze has it going. Hugh Freeze has historically given Alabama and Nick Saban fits. But when the two toughest games in a brutal league are at Auburn, at Texas A&M, that's probably a good sign. I think the schedule breaks nicely for Alabama. They're my number two team. Finally, my preseason number one, my preseason national champion. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Can't believe I'm saying this, but hail to the victors, valiant, hail to the, I'm picking the Michigan Wolverines. It's funny. I was looking through the archives on my YouTube. It was like 18 months ago, two years ago, whatever it is. I was calling for Jim Harbaugh's job. Now, I think they're going to win the national championship. And I think it really goes back to last year, like last year, let me even backtrack. Last year was just so different than even the year before. First year, it was feel good. It was about the, oh my goodness, we finally beat Ohio State. We finally win the Big Ten. We finally go to the college football playoff. Last year, it was all business the entire regular season. Destroyed Penn State at home. Beat the crap out of Ohio State in Columbus in the second half. That game was on TV Friday. I watched a little bit of it, a replay of it on FS1. They beat the crap out of Ohio State in that second half. And so you get back to the playoff, a fluky loss. It's not an excuse. It is a reality. Um, But they outgained TCU by like 150 yards in that game. Did have two pick sixes from J.J. McCarthy. Had a weird fumble on the goal. I mean, there was just so many things that went wrong. They still almost could have won that game. Well, this year, think about who Michigan brings back. They bring back J.J. McCarthy. They bring back Blake Corm at running back. They bring back Donovan Edwards at running back. They bring back... At, at wide receiver, Roman Wilson and, and Schoonmaker, the tight end, and 
Colston Loveland, the tight end, the offensive line, three, four transfers that are elite, the defense elite across the board. And the talent is elite across the board as well. Jim Harbaugh talked about this at Big Ten Media Day. Now, it might have been a little hyperbolic, but he said this. He said, we believe we have a team that could set the record for most NFL draft picks. The record currently standing is 15 picks by the Georgia Bulldogs two seasons ago. Jim Harbaugh thinks they're going to have about 15, maybe even more. Now, is that hyperbole? Maybe. But even if it's hyperbole, what does that mean? They don't have 15 draft picks. They only have 12. They only have 13. They have a lot of NFL talent. It's veteran talent, and everything is built for this year. Finally, I'll say this, and I've talked about it. I'm not worried about the schedule. Schedule is relatively manageable. You know, November gets a little bit dicey because they have at Penn State late in the year. But again, they destroyed Penn State last year. They also have at Maryland, that'll be interesting, to his younger brother as the quarterback before Ohio State. But I look at this team. I'm not worried about the suspension. It doesn't concern me. Remember, veteran team dealt with a lot of Harbaugh's nonsense previously. Two seasons ago, he's interviewing for an NFL head coaching job in Minnesota on National Signing Day. This past offseason, he goes through the process again. I think that group is going to be able to compartmentalize, go 3-0. and Jim Harbaugh comes back, and the run to a national championship begins. Really quickly, it's worth mentioning, I think there's probably three, four teams that everybody really likes that I don't have in. And by the way, this is the fun part about a four-team playoff. Next year, all these teams are going to get in. We don't even have to do this. Um, but four teams that, that that I don't think are going to get in. USC. We're going to talk about that defense momentarily. I don't trust it. I don't trust the defense. The schedule gets too tough. USC's final six games include at Notre Dame, Washington at home, Utah at home, at Oregon, UCLA at home. That's four teams that are ranked in the top 20, plus UCLA, which was just on the outside of the top 25, including at Notre Dame and at Oregon. That's brutal. I don't think they can go 11-1 and against this schedule. I just don't. I worry about them, especially with that defense. We'll talk about it momentarily. Um, Notre Dame, really like the Sam Hartman story. He's my pick to win the Heisman. He was before this weekend, let the record show. Tough schedule. Can they go? They're gonna have to go two and one against Ohio State, USC, Clemson. First two are at home. Maybe they do, but I just don't have Notre Dame in the playoff. And then the the, the two or three big ones. Uh LSU. Listen, I think they're a year, I think they're still a year or two away. Their frontline talent is as good as anybody. Jaden Daniels a quarterback. The wide receivers are great. Um you know, Harold Perkins is a stud on defense. Mason Smith, who's suspended for that Florida State game, is a stud on defense. But Brian Kelly said it at SEC Media Days. He was asked about Georgia. He said, we're not there yet. We're going to get there. We're recruiting really well. Give us time. We'll get there. But we're not there yet. If your own head coach admits that you probably don't have the depth, then guess what? You probably don't have the depth. The week one matchup is really tough, especially on a group there where the secondary is the big question. I think LSU is a very good 9-3, and 10-2 type team. I don't think they're a playoff team, though. Final two teams that are obvious, Ohio State. Listen, I've made my spiel on Ohio State. You either disagree or you agree with me, but young team. Every year, it seems like teams are starting to be able to push them around a little bit more. I don't think the talent gap between them 
and Michigan and Penn State is as wide as it has been. I think the gap is as small as it's been maybe since Urban Meyer got there in 2013, 2014, whenever it was. Um, So you have that element of it. And with Ohio State, it's the schedule. A lot of these teams, very advantageous schedules. Ohio State, week four at Notre Dame. Later in the year, at Wisconsin on Halloween weekend, already we know it's a night game. So you get a win at Notre Dame at night, at Wisconsin at night. Michigan is on the road. And Penn State, as I said a few minutes ago, two games before them, before they play Ohio State, is a bye in UMass. So Penn State's going to have three weeks to prepare. I'm not, this isn't an anti-Ryan Day thing. I just don't love the schedule. I have Ohio State out of the playoff, and that's kind of my bold prediction. I have Ohio State finishing 9-3 and this regular season. And then finally, the obvious one, right? The Georgia Bulldogs. This isn't an anti-Kirby thing. This isn't a, oh, too many guys got arrested for speeding thing. I just, and it's not a, they have a new quarterback thing. I just think it's insanely hard to win three in a row. Nobody's done it in 100 years. Now, you could argue part of it was it was a poll era. It was a different time. It wasn't settled on the field. But I, I'll tell you, I'll just go back to the Swamp Kings Urban Meyer documentary that came out last week. Try not to spoil it, but you can see how tough it is to keep college-age kids motivated on a year-in, year-out basis. Now, maybe if this was the 12-team playoff era and Georgia could take a loss or two, I'd feel differently. But this isn't the 12-team playoff era. This is the 14-team playoff era. You trip up once in the regular season, then you're playing for a, a, a playoff appearance in Atlanta, and the rest is history. And so I look at how hard, like it's just hard to keep guys motivated for three straight years. 75% of that locker room has never suffered a season that ended with anything other than a national championship. The juniors have won two national championships. The sophomores won a title. The freshmen are coming into a program that has won two straight. And as they say in the Florida documentary, and I've heard this from coaches. Remember, I did a big story on Miami, the early 2000s teams. And they said their problem was when the freshman classes came in, after Miami won that title in 2001, they started to walk around like they won a national It's like, you didn't win a national title. You weren't here. You didn't do nothing. Now it's time for you to earn yours. And then obviously for Miami, it didn't work out. USC couldn't win three straight. Heck, Nick Saban in Alabama, even in the pre-playoff era, couldn't win three straight. So I just, if you pick Georgia, if Georgia's your pick, I don't blame you. But I'll say this too about Georgia. Even last year, they were trailing Missouri on the road like four minutes to go. Not, not Maybe not four, like eight, nine minutes to go. Came back and won. We know what happened against Ohio State on New Year's Eve in the playoff. So this isn't, again, an anti-Ohio State thing or an anti-Georgia thing or whatever. I just think it's really, really hard to win three straight. It's why nobody in the modern era has ever done it. Those are your official AT College football playoff picks. Penn State, Florida State, Alabama, and Michigan. So what I want to do, take a quick break. When I come back, we're going to talk about some week zero college football, baby. Notre Dame, they looked really good. USC, they looked really good on one side of the ball. What does that mean? We'll talk about that. Arizona State, quick break. Right back. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. By now, 
You know Betfred's story started in 1967 in the UK, over a thousand shops in the UK, and they have now come to the United States and made a major splash. They are the presenting sponsor of not only all things Aaron Torres Media, but the Colorado Rockies, the Denver Broncos, the Cincinnati Bengals. And what I love about Betfred, nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred does. I've been telling you that for a year. We have sent listeners of the Aaron Torres pod to Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. The Betfred suite at Cincinnati Bengals games is rocking. Betfred betters have thrown out first pitch at the Colorado Rockies games. Nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred. And here is what they are doing for you right now. How about this? Bet $50 on any game. Get up to $1,111 in free bets. Here's how it works. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app. Bet 50 bucks on anything you want to bet on. You automatically get $111 in free bets. But beyond that, you get up to $200 in insurance for your first five weeks as a Betfred customer, totaling $1,111 in free bets. I've told you for a year, nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred. They're the only book that I bet with. And I want to thank Betfred for being our presenting sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. All right, I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, So, how about we actually get to some of the the on-the-field college football? Because this weekend was week zero. And there were actually some games that counted in the standings and mean something. And so what I want to do is just talk about some of the results from the weekend. And the one thing I do before we get too far into this segment, I'm going to pull the Jerry Maguire again. I'm not going to do what you all think I'm going to do, which is just completely overreact to week zero in college football, which is what everybody does every year. Although I will say, sometimes it's weirdly accurate. Like last year when we all called for Scott Frost's job after losing in week zero to Northwestern, Three weeks later, he was out after losing to, I believe it was Georgia Southern. Anyway, let's talk a little week zero. And I do want to start with, obviously, look, the marquee game of the day, uh, 2.30 Eastern. By the way, whoever put whoever put the schedule together for college football this year, total epic failure. There was no lead-in game. There wasn't even a lead-in pregame show for us to watch anywhere. But Notre Dame and Navy kick off in Dublin, the official start to the 2023 college football season. And all I'll say is this. How about them Irish? Just an absolute butt kicking as Notre Dame goes overseas, beats Navy, final score 42 to 3. Now, again, I promised I'm not going to overreact. It's Navy. They have a first year head coach. Notre Dame should beat them. 
by a significant margin. But I do think there are some things that you can take out of this game. And I think there are some, from a positive perspective, questions that you can ask about Notre Dame, including what the ceiling of this team might be, and is it actually higher than in years past? And if you go through all of our preseason content, all of the shows that we've done, what is the one thing I've consistently said when it comes to Notre Dame? I've said, look, for years since Brian Kelly got there, we know what they're all about. Running the ball, big O-line, physical O-line, great defense. And listen, the quarterback play is good but not great, not going to beat themselves, Ian Book, Jack Cohn, etc. But the thing that I have said, and I get a lot of stuff wrong, so I'm not going to sit here and take a victory lap because for one game I looked pretty smart. But I have said consistently, this kid, Sam Hartman, is the real deal and the best quarterback Notre Dame has had for a significant amount of time. Just because you didn't watch him at Wake Forest doesn't mean he's not a baller, okay? All you need to do is look at the stats. I don't care what division, what conference, what league, what level. He threw for 77 touchdowns and 7,000 yards over the last two seasons at Wake Forest. Of course, two seasons ago, they wanted their division and played for an ACC title. And I said, look, if you have gotten across the board, you know, C plus B minus quarterback play, what happens at Notre Dame if you're actually getting really good quarterback play this year? Well, we got a taste of it on Saturday. Again, it's Navy, but it's hard not to be impressed, right? And I saw a lot of this on Twitter, and I actually agree with a lot of the guys and girls on Twitter. Two things can be true. You could say it's only Navy, it's only this, it's only that, whatever. But you also have to give credit where it's due because Notre Dame did exactly what you wanted to see in an opening game performance in which they were heavily favored and proved to be correct. In terms of the game itself, listen, I mean, you go ahead and look. I mean, again, 42 to 3 was the final score, but really the story is Hartman. Again, phenomenal player. By the way, for the record, if you listen to Friday's show, before week zero, I said, this is my Heisman Trophy pick for all of the reasons that I just said. Well, heck of a debut for Sam Hartman, 19 of 23 passing, 251 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. It's a long season. Not saying that, you know, just book his ticket to New York now, but that's exactly what you wanted to see. And it complemented everything else that Notre Dame does so well. They finished the game pounding the football between the tackles. Again, I know it's Navy. Again, I know it's what's expected. But they averaged about seven yards per carry. And again, that's something that you would think is going to translate throughout the season. If you have a quarterback that can stretch the field, if you have a quarterback that can hit deep balls, it it completely changes the complexities of the offense. And I'm not an X's and O's guy. But at the same time, it allows for... It allows for better running lanes. It allows for play action passes. And it is what has me so excited about this team. And then defensively, they did what they're supposed to do, right? Three total points given up, just one sad little field goal at the end of the game. And in terms of total stats, you know, Navy finished with under 200 yards of total offense. Now you can say that's no big deal. You can say it doesn't matter and maybe it doesn't, but it's also worth noting this. This same Notre Dame team, struggled with this same Navy team last year, barely surviving winning 35-32 in a game where Navy put up close to 400 yards, 363 yards of total offense. So great effort by the offense, great effort by the defense, 
And I'll tell you, I think there is a legitimate reason to be excited about Notre Dame. And again, when you say this, I'm not saying they're better than Georgia. I'm not saying they're better than whoever you deem to be the best team in college football. But at the same time, look at the schedule and look at the possibilities for what this team could be by the end of the season. First off, four Saturdays from now, week four, they host Ohio State. Now, Ohio State's really good. We just talked about them. We talked about my concerns. But let me just ask you this. Put aside the fact that as we record here, I don't know who the Ohio State quarterback's going to be. But who are you going to trust more in a game under the lights, 7.30 Eastern kickoff in South Bend? The sixth-year quarterback playing at home or the first-year quarterback? And I know Devin Brown's in his second year in the system at Ohio State, Kyle McCord in his third year. The first-year quarterback making his third, fourth start of his career. Leg up Sam Hartman. Not saying it means they win, but I like the quarterback battle there. Obviously, against USC, listen, it goes without saying, USC is the best quarterback in college football. Caleb Williams, we'll talk about him and his week zero performance in a minute. But at the same time, at home, by the way, Sam Hartman against a USC defense that I don't think any of us really trust, at least not as of right now. They're improved. The personnel is improved. They'll be better. But is that a defense that is going to slow down the good offenses that they play? Should mention, by the way, Late in the year, probably the, the, not probably, certainly the toughest road game that Notre Dame will have all season long at Clemson, in Clemson uh, in early November. Just going to throw this out there. You remember, Clemson's part of the ACC. You know who else is part of the ACC? Sam Hartman's old team, Wake Forest. You know what Sam Hartman did last year against that Clemson defense? 337 yards, six touchdowns. I told you, this guy's a baller. He's been a baller. And so I'm just telling you, I'm not putting too much in week one. I'm not putting too much on Sam Hartman's plate. And there are other tough games throughout the season. Duke should be much improved this year. They won nine games last year and year one under Mike Elko. Notre Dame has to play at Duke. Notre Dame has to play at NC State in a few weeks. We'll see what NC State looks like because, oh, by the way, you know who uh, NC State opens with? My UConn Huskies in week one this coming Thursday. Louisville should be improved under Jeff Brom. So I'm not saying... If you survive, say, Ohio State and USC, you're going to the playoff. But what I will say, I'm excited to watch this team because the one thing, Brian Kelly set the foundation. Marcus Freeman is hopefully going to take it to another level, but I give Marcus Freeman credit. Last year, he went back to that ground and pound, and that was when Notre Dame really picked things up in the second half of the year after that slow start when they went 0-2. And so I just bring it up because I am really, really, really excited to see this Notre Dame team uh, over the course of the season with Sam Hartman at quarterback, not promising anything, but I think they have a chance to be really, really, really good. And I'll say this, you know, you can like Notre Dame, you can hate Notre Dame, but with that schedule, if they get the win, if they finish 11 and one, they're going to the playoff. And I know we're getting way ahead of ourselves. The only point I'm trying to make, they're going to have chances on national stages against national teams, against Caleb Williams and USC, against Ohio State, against Clemson. If they win the games they're supposed to, they're going to be a factor all year. We'll enjoy week zero for now, but it's never too early to start thinking about the bigger picture of college football. All right, let's switch gears and get to the other big game from Saturday week zero. Obviously just talked about Notre Dame. They they looked awesome uh, in that win over Navy, but I do want to switch gears and I do want to talk about the other big game from Saturday. That one came on the other side of the globe as USC takes on San Jose State. They do get the win 56 to 28 at the LA Coliseum. But what I will say, and again, 
theme of the segment. We don't want to overreact to week zero. Well, I thought Notre Dame overseas in Ireland against Navy, just about everything went right. There really aren't complaints. It was all rainbows and sunshine, even though there were no actual rainbows and sunshine in Ireland. For USC, though, I don't know that I necessarily feel the same way. We don't want to overreact, but I am a little bit concerned about that defense that, oh, by the way, was not very good last year and did not look sharp to open the 2023 season. Now, in terms of USC, in terms of positives, let's do glasses half full and let's talk about what looked good. And what looked good specifically was that offense. Probably not very surprising when Lincoln Riley is calling the plays, when Caleb Williams is executing them, you're probably going to look pretty good. And that is exactly what USC does. Over 500 yards of total offense, 56 points. And what's kind of wild to me about that game, I'm not totally sold that USC gave like an A++ effort. I thought it was kind of a a workman-like, almost like in the preseason where it felt like USC was going about, you know, 60, 65% focusing on execution, trying to take care of business, trying not to show too much. So when you put up 56 points and 500 plus yards of offense, and it is not a situation where uh, you played your best, that to me is a positive, right? On top of that, what I would also say, and it's not a surprise, the guy that really broke out is the guy that everybody's talking about here coming out of week zero. That's Zachariah Branch, uh, the wide receiver who was awesome in that game. If you're a recruit, Nick, It's probably not surprising. Zachariah Branch was the number one wide receiver in this past high school class. Interestingly, he committed to USC and Lincoln Riley very early, like right after Lincoln Riley got the job back in December of 2021. And so because of it, I I think he kind of fell sort of under the radar as a high school player, not a super big recruitment, wasn't visiting Bama, wasn't visiting Michigan, wasn't visiting Ohio State, wasn't visiting Georgia. He was kind of just, a guy that committed early. We didn't really talk about him, but we are talking about him now. He was awesome on Saturday at the LA Coliseum. Four catches, including a touchdown. And then, oh, by the way, a kickoff return for a touchdown as well. And it was really that kickoff return for a touchdown that essentially sealed the game for USC. San Jose State had just scored, cut the lead to 35-21, probably about midway, sort of late in the third quarter. Zachariah Branch takes that kickoff back for a touchdown. It is now 42 to 21. And from there, USC cruised to victory. With that said, I do want to talk a little bit about the negatives. And again, try not to overreact. But I think the first negative is exactly what I just said. Midway through the third quarter, San Jose State on the road in an opener against USC believed that they had life in that game. And it's only weeks here and it's not time to overreact. But at the same time, Here is my concern for the defense. First of all, the defense was not good, okay? So the defense in total as a a team, how about this? They gave up 28 points, okay, whatever. But in total, they gave up almost 400 yards of total offense, and they gave up almost seven yards per carry. And this is a defense that last year ranked what? They They ranked 106th in total defense. They gave about 430 yards per game. They gave up 30-plus points per game, 94th nationally in in points allowed. And where my concern comes in for USC is this. I get that it's week zero, but at the same time, this is a team and this is a defense that all offseason long told us how different it was going to be. We added pieces in the portal. We added Anthony Lucas from Texas A&M. We added Bear Alexander. The personnel is better. 
We're going to be better. We got transfers from AM and Georgia and Mason Cobb from Oklahoma State. It's going to be so different this year. And so when you spend all offseason telling me that, you kind of got to show it to me on Saturdays when you take the field. I'll give you an example. Alabama, all offseason, they've said, we want to be more physical. We want to be tough. Well, if Alabama comes out and rushes for two and a half yards per carry and has 84 yards rushing on 39 carries on Saturday, we're going to be worried. And it's the same with USC. And so to me, the good news, there's plenty of time. It is week zero. You have Nevada next week. The out of conference portion of the or the early portion of the schedule is very manageable. Your first three games in Pac-12 play are against the teams that were picked to finish ninth uh, or 10th, 11th, and 12th in the league. Arizona State, Stanford, and Colorado. You should win all those games. But ultimately, the schedule is going to get tough. Notre Dame all of a sudden does not look like a pushover with how Sam Hartman played on Saturday. Uh, US, uh, uh, Washington will not be a pushover at home. Utah will not be a pushover at home. Oregon certainly won't be a pushover on the road. And so this is where the concern comes in, is you spent all offseason us, telling us it would be different. You spent all offseason telling us how, how improved you'll be, and right now you're not there. I'll give you an, a super abstract example, but you know what this reminds me of? Remember last year in Week 0? Remember Nebraska? They played Northwestern, ironically, in Ireland in week zero. And they were coming off that year. They were three and nine. But I think eight of the nine losses were by a touchdown or less. And they said, this is the year. It's going to be different. We're going to close out games. And then they lost a close game to Northwestern in in, in the manner in which they had lost all the games the year before. And you kind of sat there and said, all that stuff you were telling us all offseason was kind of nonsense. Well, that's how I feel about USC right now. They have time to turn around. They have time to figure it out. But listen, you can't tell us all offseason that things are going to be different, then come out and give up seven yards per carry to San Jose State. If San Jose State can do that to you, I don't know what Notre Dame is going to be able to do to you in South Bend or Oregon in Eugene or Utah, a team that beat you twice last year. USC has to be better, and it has to be soon. I'm officially worried. This is why, by the way, we just talked about it. I did not pick them to make the college football playoff. This was coming into the weekend, so it had nothing to do with this exact performance. I just need to see it from them, and I haven't seen it yet. All right, really quickly, uh, let's just get to some other stuff. And ultimately what I would say is there there really isn't all that much from week zero that needs to be discussed. Um, You know, listen, shout out to Jacksonville State. Rich Rodriguez is the head coach there. It was their first game as an FBS member. They have come up to the FBS level at uh, Jacksonville State. They win. It was close. It was weird. It was whatever. But they do get the win over UTEP at home. They are a member of Conference USA. They are 1-0 after Week 0. Shout out to the UMass Minutemen. They get a victory in Week 0. I'll say Vanderbilt, they were one of my best bets of the season over under win total of 3.5. They start 1-0 at home against Hawaii after some crazy rain delays. But ultimately, a little bit of a quiet week zero, not a ton to react to. On Wednesday's show, we'll start to preview week one because on Thursday, we have some big games. Utah and Florida play on Thursday. Um, UConn and NC State, that's going to be one I think people are going to have on a second or third screen. Minnesota and North uh, Minnesota and Nebraska will play on Thursday night on Fox. So a lot of big games Thursday. Certainly we will preview all of them on Wednesday's show and Friday's show. But what I do want to do is wrap with one more college football story. 
And then one story that is definitely not very college football related. But let's start with the college football story. Um, and that was on Saturday and we got or on Sunday morning, excuse me. We got a very interesting, very frustrating piece of news. And that is that Arizona State football has decided as a school to self-impose a one-year postseason ban, meaning if they get eligible, they will not play in a bowl game. By the way, worth noting, we crushed the NCAA last week because of the Mason Smith situation at LSU. This is not the NCAA. This was Arizona State taking it upon themselves, Arizona State banning their players from playing in a bowl game this year. And how about this? Just five days before kickoff of their season, Arizona State's administration told the team, and I'm not going to beat around the bush. That's obnoxious, that's annoying, and that's embarrassing for Michael Crow. Listen, by the way, I'm going to call him out by name. The only way these clowns get put into their place is if you call them out by name. So Michael Crow, the Arizona State School president, you're an embarrassment. Ray Anderson, Arizona State AD, you're an embarrassment too. Let's talk about it, but this is an embarrassing situation for Arizona State football. So this all stems, by the way, from the last four or five years when Herm Edwards was the head coach at Arizona State. Remember, Herm Edwards was in fact the head coach. And remember, how did Herm Edwards get that job? Oh, I don't know. It's because Ray Anderson, Arizona State's AD, was Herm Edwards' old agent. Talk about nepotism. You talk about a situation where you're helping a buddy out. Herm Edwards gets that job. COVID happens. And the entire program just basically egregiously breaks all of the COVID protocols put into place during the COVID lockdowns. We've talked about it with Michigan. We've talked about it with Tennessee. You don't need me to tell you all the details. But remember, you could, every school in college football couldn't have recruits on campus, couldn't have official visits, couldn't have unofficial visits. Well, Arizona State just egregiously broke all those rules, okay? Uh, they had players on campus. And the thing about Arizona State, two things really. One, they were really sloppy about it. I mean, there's receipts and texts of of coaches getting in touch with parents and saying, you know, pay for this flight, we'll pay you back. Like, like it was very sloppy. They didn't even attempt to cover it up. Like, like, like give credit to Jeremy Pruitt, Pruitt and his crew. They at least sort of pretended to try to cover it up. Arizona State, not so much. Two, um, what I think was interesting about Arizona State was it felt like there was a division within that football program where some coaches were like, we're all in on this. We got to do this. This is what we got to do to get ahead. There were others, though, and this is how this whole story broke, that weren't comfortable with it. So it was just a sloppy operation all around. But Arizona State egregiously broke rules, and obviously this is in reaction to that. Where my problem comes with Arizona State making this decision is twofold. One, to do it now is an embarrassment. A week, listen, you criticize the NCAA all you want. But in general, when there's a postseason ban, when you're not, they generally will do it in the previous year, the, the, the spring, whatever, so that if players enroll at a school, they have time to leave and find a new home if, in fact, they are not planning on, uh, you know, if they don't want to stay because of, an, uh, of a postseason ban. So where my problem is with Arizona State is, one, the school making the decision to do it five days before the season is an embarrassment, okay? It is a situation where they they could have done this in January. They could have done this in December. They could have announced it right after they hired their new head coach, Kenny Dillingham. Instead, they wait until right before the season. And oh, by the way, 
Arizona State has the second most transfers in college football behind only Colorado. So you have a lot of players who actively chose this school for the opportunity to play for this coaching staff at this school at this moment in time. None of those kids are going to be able to play in the postseason this year. And Arizona State has 20 plus seniors who are in their final year of eligibility. So a lot of players that have either stuck through all this nonsense or transferred into play for this team this season, no longer eligible because Arizona State made this decision on Sunday. Beyond that, and this is the frustrating part, the decision was made on Sunday and Herm Edwards gets off scot-free. Remember, this story all came out two off-seasons ago. This story came out going into the 2021 season. Then from there, Arizona State has a really bad year in the 2021 season. That was the post-COVID season. That I'm not talking about the season in which uh, you know the Pac-12 played like two, three, four games, depending on the school. No, no, no. Going into the 2021 season, this all came out. Arizona State is eight and five, but after it, the writing was on the wall for Herm Edwards. We all know what his staff did. We all knew some sort of penalty was coming. And Arizona State decided to bring him back last year only to fire him during the season after they started one and two. So Herm Edwards faces no punishment. And then, oh, by the way, Herm Edwards gets fired and gets a full buyout and gets to go to ESPN, has no accountability whatsoever. Just gets to go on ESPN. He gets to talk about the Jets and the Dolphins and the Bills. This is where the frustration is. And it's a frustrating situation because, again, it's the adults that made the decision. And so I'm going to call him out again. Michael Crow, Arizona State president, you're a clown. Ray Anderson, Arizona State AD, you're a clown. Disservice to your players, disservice to your program, disservice to all of those kids who transferred in to play for this new coaching staff. And this is further proof. It's been a theme of the summer. All these adults that claim that they care about student-athletes, They don't care about them when they're sending Oregon and Washington to go play in the Big Ten. When they're sending uh, the softball team to go to Piscataway and Iowa City in February. They don't care about them then. And the the, the adults at Arizona State do not care about these student-athletes. Shame on them. It's a disappointment. Arizona State, whether they're good or not, the 85 guys on that roster, especially the 20 seniors who are out of eligibility after this year, they absolutely deserved better. Finally, there is one more topic that I do want to get to. I know it's a weird transition from Arizona State to non-sports, but I'll say this. There was one piece of kind of pop culture news that happened this weekend. I think it's worth spending two, three minutes at the end of the show. If you're not into it, it's fine. You can turn it off. Um, But I do want to say uh, rest in peace to Bob Barker who passed away at 99 years old. And by the way, if you're sitting here saying, Torres, this is a sports show, why are you talking about it? Well, Bob Barker had one of the great sports movie cameos of all time, Happy Gilmore, The Price is Wrong, You Know What. So we can have a quick conversation about Bob Barker, right? And what I would say is, you know, RIP to a legend, man. RIP to a legend. And I was thinking about this. First of all, like so many of you, I grew up on Bob Barker, right? You know, I I used to go to, uh, you know, whether it was in preschool, I can't even remember. It was so many years ago now. But I used to stay with my grandma in the afternoons or in the mornings, or maybe I went to afternoon preschool and I was with her in the mornings. I can't remember. But we would watch Price is Right every single day, Plinko, this, that, the other thing. And what I was thinking about with Bob Barker and with the Price is Right, 
that was my experience watching The Price is Right with my mom, my grandma, uh, after school, before school, whenever it was. But that was also your experience, too. By the way, sick days, oh, uh, The Price is Right on a sick day was a staple. Like, you almost weren't even mad you were sick because you got to watch The Price is Right. And so I bring it up because I was thinking about this after his passing. One, legend. Two, one of the greatest sports, um, you know, one of the greatest sports cameo, sports movie cameos of all time. But three, I was thinking about this. That experience that I just had, watching Bob Barker, Price is Right with your grandparents, watching Bob Barker, Price is Right when you're sick. That is a shared experience that I think everybody had for about a 40, 50 year period. I don't know how long the Price is Right was on, but, you know, 25, 30 year period. And I was thinking about like the way that society is going now, right? We have, we're we're so like, and this isn't like a political thing, but we're all, everybody has their own little silos, right? Like, like, you know, people watch this on Netflix. People watch that on, on Hulu. People watch this on Amazon Prime. People watch some sports, but not others. People watch what, like, we're just going towards a world where everybody kind of has their own kind of unique experiences, right? Where there aren't those communal things that we all take part in. You know, so, some of the best shows on TV right now. I've never seen Ted Lasso. Uh, you know, many of you didn't watch the Johnny Manziel documentary. Many of you didn't watch Swamp Kings, which I have to review at some point. We all watched Price is Right with Bob Barker. So it was sad to see him go. 99 years is a fulfilling life. Uh, I saw a lot of the the, the jokes on Twitter about, uh, you know, made it to 90, you know, made it to 99 without going over. Uh, so so R.I.P. Bob Barker, obviously a little bit of a sad story. But listen, he lived to be 99. He had a fulfilling life. And I can tell you, I have a lot of positive memories from watching him with my family. I'm sure you do, too. Uh, and I would be remiss. It was probably the biggest story of the weekend, bigger than Notre Dame or USC. So R.I.P. Bob Barker. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Aaron Tour Sports Podcast. It's game week, baby. It's game week, man. College football picks. We talked about some games. How about that? It is so good to be back. And I'll just say this. There is no better time. If you are not subscribed to the Aaron Tour Sports Podcast, please, now is the time. Make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed to the Aaron Tour Sports Podcast. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Also find the YouTube page, YouTube channels blowing up. Appreciate everybody's support. I'll tell you what, in honor of Bob Barker, JJ Reddick and Torrent Craig are off the hook. We'll shout them out next week. Let me leave you by saying this. Help control the pet population. Have your pets spayed or neutered. Goodbye, everybody. New episode, Aaron Torres Pod on Wednesday. We'll preview games. RIP Bob Barker. We'll be back soon. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is the story of the one. 
As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.